Hello. Come on, Dan. It's your part. You got you got the laugh before the hello. <laughs> uh, hello. Welcome to Object Worship. <laughs> I'm your host, Dan Pihacek. I'm a pedal designer at Old Blood Noise Endeavors. I'm uh, joined by your host, Andy Othling, idea man and musical all-arounder. And this is the podcast where we talk about how the tangible helps us create the intangible. Uh, we like to capture a sort of calm, measured energy, um, something that... Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't listen to Limp Biscuit featuring Lil Wayne. Uh, is that what this <laughs> yes. is? I was, I was like, this is, this is unhinged. We're ready to go. It's the song title. I thought it would be perfect. That made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> Wait, it's supposed to make you feel ready to go. That's what I was going. <laughs> Maybe if I had known the title of the song ah, in advance, I, I would have gone. Ah, yes, ready I should to have go. communicated that via email. Read Dan <laughs> podcast today. I will be playing Limp Bizkit featuring Lil Wayne, titled "Ready to Go." I just hope this is the ob- the uh, episode where we get a copyright strike for you know <laughs> for the ten year old single from the album that never came out from Limp Bizkit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I chose that because I don't know. There's been a lot of I mean, I'm a new metal fan, but like, it's coming back, man. It's coming back so hard, and I'm ready for it. I'm ready to go, as the song said. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. <laughs> uh, that's all. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, we're we're ready to go. We're we're ready for for the new metal revival. I don't I'm know ready. if I am, but I I would say that collectively, I could say that on the average we are because you're so I'm ready that ready like. To- even if I'm not yeah, ready, it's we're <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, I think we should say we uh, Joe is here. I think we should say that. Yeah, let's get let's let's introduce our guest right off the yeah. bat, Joe Branton from the Guitar Nerds podcast. Welcome, Hello Joe. there, he's from across the pond. I can say that, right? I am from. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. I'm a. I'm from across the pond. You're from across the pond to me. Yeah. Hi, guys. Yeah. Hi, Dan. Hi, Andy. <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me on an episode. It's lovely to yes. cross pollinate onto other people's podcasts so too. To yeah, yeah. It's good to have you on. Yeah, I'm realizing. I think this is our farthest in terms of time zones. Yeah. Like this is definitely the biggest distance we've had. Oh, you've got. You've been very kind to me. <laughs> you've given me a nice six. PM slot, oh, so yes, I'm not yeah, uh, I'm, podcasting early or late. What What have you guys I've got? Felt, have you got like mid afternoon? Yeah, this is like so for me. It's one o'clock, so it's right after lunch. For Andy, it's eleven o'clock, so it's kind so of right, right before. And for up. you, it's six o'clock right after work. So it's, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, so yeah I feel like we we lined it up well. I'm uh, I'm proud of the uh, the timing on this one. <laughs> well done, well done. I normally at this point I just uh, we sort of meander and I'm like I don't know Andy what what are you up to this week but I'm kind of tempted to dive into a voicemail unless the only thing to really say is that we've got the effector market the day this podcast comes out you and I That's will right. be flying to Anaheim arriving on that day um, so we won't be attending Nam but we will be there while it is happening 
and uh, got the yeah, so event on Saturday. That For looks absolutely that is... fantastic. I hadn't I hadn't seen anything about it until like yesterday. Dan Pilver from Lewitt Mike sent me a mm-hmm. uh, uh, the a, a group or a poster of it. Um, you, you've you've arranged this, Dan. It looks like it's going to be yeah an excellent not Nam Nam event. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This is yeah, because this is something we did last um, last April, April yeah. when the, you know last time they did Nam in Anaheim, we just wanted to do like and kind of an adjacent event, like an you know, unaffiliated, but uh, when everybody's going to be in town, let's let's kind of do one of our pop ups because we we've been doing these small pop ups, which is just with friends, like the you know got the Chase Bliss 10 year anniversary event and the. Uh, Factor Market in Oklahoma City that we did in December. You've done it the last three so, Decembers, right? It's like it's definitely an annual thing at this point. Yeah, and it even yeah, it's it's. I think we had even done it once or twice, like pre-COVID. So it's like we did it once or twice, and then took a year or two off, and then picked it picked it back up again. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just a good like smaller event and a way to for us for like all the pedal builders to get to hang out, and also a great opportunity for people to just try a bunch of fun things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for, I'm excited to kind of see who we see there. Um, Joe, I assume you're not going to be out at NAM, or are you? So are you NAM's, NAM's always tricky for me. You should probably it's, be on a plane uh, falls... right now if that was the case, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like, I, I can make the assumption. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it falls on the same date as my girlfriend's birthday, uh, almost every year. I was so happy when it moved to like, oh, yeah. when, it, when it, April or something, yeah. that when it, I was like, yes, this is my, this is the solution. But no, they've <laughs> It's hard back. to say that that's more so. important. Like, no, it's a big building, and there's a lot of noise, and it, I promise you, it's important for me to go to it. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so I've, I go occasionally, but I, uh, I really don't like to to miss it. That it doesn't seem like a very good thing to do. So, uh, so no, so I, I, I'm not. But the the upside is every single company that I work for, they're all over in. Nam at the moment, so I, I can do absolutely <laughs> nothing for. Uh... <laughs> yes. Wait, I don't. So I don't. I don't want to get in a dr- drama farm or whatever. But I heard through the grapevine that someone who is not presenting at Nam, a pedal company, because they were quoted eighty thousand dollars for a booth. And I'm like, wow. that seems fake, but also probably not. Like, I I feel like the number I always hear for like when people talk about just to get a space so like a basic booth starts at like ten thousand dollars yeah for it's already that, four figures whatever yeah so or the idea five, of it being eighty thousand for four um i haven't whatever thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. whatever rumor you're talking about i have not heard yeah <laughs> but the idea of eighty thousand dollars for like a kind of an all-in of like once you've got, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's like just the booth cost itself or if yeah. that's like after everything. But this was, but I, this... I do know that like uh, years ago now, but Ashdown wanted to make a big splash in uh, wait, years ago, wait, like the 90s. Pre-order. No, it can't have been then. Early 2000s. Mm. Great um, time Ashdown wanted music. to make a... Yeah. Say, say that. <laughs> for new metal, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think, I actually think, yeah, Charvo from uh, no, System of a Down would have been, would have been yeah. there yeah. at the Ashdown booth, but mm. they <laughs> uh, Ashdown wanted to make a big US splash, so they uh, they they bought a bus and they arranged to have a bus driven into the Nam 
uh, you know, center, yeah. and they had all of their amps because they had oh. they had a guitar amp company called Hayden. So one side of the the bus outside had all the Hayden stacks, the other side had all the Ashdown stacks, and I, I heard that they spent a quarter of a million. I believe it uh, oh on God. on that. And uh, obviously it didn't work because neither of you knew anything about that. No. Well, uh, <laughs> I was too busy listening to uh, Limp Biscuit and uh, Soulfly right. and Seven Dust and, and whatnot. Yeah. To do, to do I hadn't, I hadn't started thinking about guitar tone yet, so, you know, right, I'm still getting right. there. <laughs> no, but it was, I was talking about that with someone because we were noticing, like, like who is at NAMM? Because, like, we are not. And, like, well, who is? And then you start looking, at least your pedal companies, like, there's not a lot of the ones you would think, even the big ones. And we were like, why? Like, why? What is happening there? And I, I, the cost has to be a big part of it. Like, that's just, and you can't sell anything. I, like, there's all these things you can't do there, hmm. despite the cost being so high. I don't know. Just a really interesting thing. I feel like I'm it's, being um, from afar, feel, kind of. A lot of the pedal brands are just going all in on, on group tables. There are several. Mm. Now, aren't like there the delicious of, uh, audio one? Um, is that right? Or the... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah. there's there's a feud now as well. I know that like uh, um, ADG Audio Distribution Group. I think they're doing a big group stand with a bunch of their brands as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Huh. Well, I'm glad to be there, but not going into the big building where you have to yell all right. day yeah. and all that stuff. I wish I have like just that little bit of of FOMO of like. Literally the last time I went to Nam, I like met Graham Coxon, yeah. and we had to scoot out of the way for Stevie Wonder to walk by. And <laughs> yeah, I was that's... Like, that's it. Like you know, I did that. That type of run yeah. in is just like, uh, but it's it's so overwhelming at the same time. Actually, that that same Nam, I remember running into uh, Matt Knight of uh, he was there with Boss. He's the the other uh, uh, one of the other hosts of Guitar Nerds, and I was like. I was like, yeah, if you want to, you know, come come check out our stuff. Like, we're just down this way, and I feel like we walked for probably fifteen <laughs> minutes, just just chatting until eventually it was like, okay, and now we're at the old blood booth. Oh, you got to get back. Yeah, well, okay, well you can just chat. You know? yeah. so, like, it is it is so it is difficult so to have big. A... It's so awkwardly big. That's the problem. What I hate about Nam is you're never gonna get to see everything. I much prefer a no. smaller show. Like, I'm a big fan of Guitar Summit in uh, in. Um, well, I've forgotten the name, but Mannheim, mm. Mannheim in Germany. I, lo- I love that one. That was great. They, they got I a big steamroller like all... there. Is that true? I have no idea. <laughs> Mannheim steamroller? Sorry, go ahead. No. <laughs> God, God damn it. Jesus. I fell for it. The problem that that show has is it's a silent show. and uh, That's a problem? Whilst... It is. Do they have people walking around with decibel meters going like, hey, you're, you're a bit well, over? No one's, no, one, no one's even allowed to plug anything in. You've got to have headphone setups. And uh, when when often I'm there with Ashdown, who are an amp company, yeah, that's tough. It's, uh, that, that, it is a bit of a problem. We can be like, hey, hey, l- look look at look at hey, these put amps. Put this body pack on. That'll make you like feel the subwoofer <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Sheesh. But I did, I, uh, I, uh, something happened uh, last year um, that made me really want to go back to NAM and I haven't been able to and that was that the NAM building uh, appeared as Starfleet headquarters in season one of Picard ah, and so uh, wow <laughs> now I want to be back I want to tread where Jean-Luc Picard trod okay that's a that's different it. angle to it but well that's fun yeah I did not realize think that think of it that way there's probably all kinds of stuff that's happened there at the convention center all kinds of stars and celebs you know wow yeah. That's true. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Should we? <laughs> okay, so it's so uh, next we, year we, we're all going to. Make- I was about to say we have a strict no Star Trek rule on this show, so we're just going to ignore that. Ah, uh, right, right. Um, but no, but yeah, I'm very excited for Effector Market. So if anyone is going to be out that way, either for Nam or just for general purpose, maybe you just live in Anaheim and uh, you want to come by uh, Effector Market. That'll be uh, at Windsor Brown's Sandwich yeah. Shop, January twenty seventh. That'll be very, one of the very excited to hang. Only opportunities to play a Dark Light before buying one, if you wanted to do that, right? Yeah, that's true. So yeah, play play your little hearts out on that thing at the any of the sandwich. <laughs> Ask me, ask me questions. Ask me about, about dark light. That'll be on my shirt when yeah. I'm there. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to the. I'm just gonna refer anytime somebody has like a, you know, normally we've got Joey behind the board, and then somebody has a complicated question, and he's like, "Dan, can you damn, step in yeah. on this one?" And I'm just gonna start throwing those your way, just instead, you know, just be like, "Andy, you talk with just, him about dark just, light." Uh, call me if it's like really. Just know really that hard. if you do that, I might completely make up my answer. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's blah 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 blah," blah and I'll seem confident, but I, don't, I it's not true in any way or correct. Uh, that'll be. I'll just hover. <laughs> I'll just hover and be available for corrections. You micromanager. No, that's not. It's not quite. The dweller doesn't really work it's that not, way. Uh, but sorry, you you go ahead. You go yeah, ahead. It's, just well, it's and just, you're it's just, just like leaning in. Like, you go well, ahead. You go ahead. Can I can I get those headphones from you? Like pulling them off the person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm moving us to the hog line because I want to hear about Joe's right, voicemail yeah, time. All right, here we go. Well, hello there. It's Ariana Ooh, again. I like that. Coffee intro. spoons, if you will. Coffee spoons. Uh, Andy, I just saw that you got yourself a base six as part of a white elephant gift exchange. Yes. I also play base six, and they're a huge amount of fun. I would love to hear you talk about it. Okay, have a great day, you guys. Bye. Yeah, so I think we talked about it briefly on the last episode, or the one before but you've got flats on it. I right? have flats on it, and it's it's a it's a guitar that was actually left over from the White Elephant. It's a bass. It's a bass, or or it's a guitar. <laughs> Who knows what it is? Um, but it was actually left over from the White Elephant gift exchange the year before at Old Blood. So, and Tyler was the one there who was like, "Let's put flats on it." So he w- that was his his thing, um, which is rad. So I I got it. I I have owned a base six previously, the Squire one, and I I had sold it in a in an attempt to, uh, I sold three of my subpar bases to get one like really good base, and that was one of them. Um, but now that I have this back, I like the black color way better than a Sunburst. I just that's just a thing about me, black way cooler. The flats are really interesting, but I don't think I'm gonna keep them that way. I already told Tyler I was like I'm gonna. I'm gonna take these oh, off man. and I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give them to Tyler because he's like, well, they're such an expensive set. Yeah. Like you know, the the only people I know who do them are Labella and I think that well, because I string my bass yeah. sets with them and they're they're seventy pounds yeah, yeah. over here. Too. Yeah, and that's what's on them. It's the Labella. Uh, I forget what the right. set is called. So it's cool. It feels. I keep telling people it feels kind of like uh, you know, like the rubber bridge thing is kind of like the the cool thing nowadays. Um, it kind of yeah. gets you that like halfway there, just that like plucky, dull, percussive thing. Yeah, yeah. So it is cool in its own right. But uh, while while I was there, 
um, for the party, of course, Joey at Old Blood, as, as soon as I, it was finalized that I got the basics, he's like, oh, do you know, you know about Obscura? Do you know about all the mods you could do to this? And I was initially, I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to screw with that. But then I went and looked at it. I was like, oh, shit. Because I've been, <laughs> I've been on this little journey where I'm like, uh, looking in, I was looking into baritone six string guitars, like 28 inch scale. So I could do like these super drop tunings, like drop G and stuff. Um, and then I get this, I'm like, well, this is a 30 inch six string. Like I could just sort of convert this into like the gnarliest riff guitar ever. And then when I looked at this mm, obscure yeah. manufacturing website, they have replacement pick guards for like double humbucker setup. Yeah. Double humbucker in the bridge as well. Yeah. They'll do. And, and the like, it's very cool. And then replacing the, uh, the getting rid of the, the tremolo bridge and just doing like a hard tail. I would want to they do, do that. two hardtails as well. They do one the that's got a better one. break angle, yeah. and they've got one that's longer, which is better if you're going to drop. To, if you want it any lower than the E, you need that full length. Yep, yep. So, I my plan is to do that, and like I even texted uh, Mike Adams uh, Pusheen because I was like, "You're you're the master at this." Partly to be like, "Hey, am I do? Is this a bad idea <laughs> to like mess with this like this?" Because the other thing I wanted, I've always wanted a. Uh, I've never owned an EMG uh, guitar, like guitar with EMGs in it. And like my ear really likes that sound, but I just have a strong feeling that if I ever played active pickups, I would be like, I actually don't like this that much because I just am not used to it. So I'm, my thought right now is to get uh, the passive version of the EMG 81, which is the H4, put that in the bridge and then find some some crazy ass thing on reverb for the neck pickup something that looks insane sounds like absolute garbage probably and put that in the <laughs> neck and then just have it just, I wonder if some sort of sustainiac style thing would work maybe yeah just do something crazy with that'd it that'd be cool yeah. um but that that's like kind of my plan with it is to turn it into this like <laughs> riff guitar i don't know I love that. I love that Tyler like set it up with flats and was basically just like, let's optimize this bass six for just like the ultimate, just like bass player experience. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah but cool, I want to go chunk like, on it. Yeah, can it gent? <laughs> yeah. So that that is my plan. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, and I keep playing it. Well, and I keep going between that and my baritone, and I. I'm now to the point where if I pick up a normal guitar, I'm like, what is this little toy I'm holding? Like, this feels insane. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's... that's. I got to get you on the uh, the seven-string train. Dude, I, I can't... I can't Just push you all the way over to eight. eight I've said this before. Strings, like, yeah. I'm pretty tall, but my hands are relatively small for my... So, like, I don't think I could deal with the seven-string. I don't think I could do that. Mm, yeah. I think I'm a six-string boy. So, the basics is kind of perfect. Like, I never even really thought about it as, like, a... Ooh, I could really get that like low, like double drop D tuning. Like, come on, that's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, I, I've got mine in D standard. Okay. Um, yeah. But I had to. I uh, the labellas will do it for flats, but of course I want to play it like I play it finger style ah. still, like uh, like two, like two fingers over the middle pickup, like the way Jack Bruce mm -hmm, used to play mm -hmm. his basics. And the labellas are great for that. But if you don't go labellas. Um, I mean, I'm looking. I don't at, know what. I, uh, I'm looking at just getting a Diodario singles, just because I'm. A, what's the? Th I mean, you have to build your own set. Uh, I was just going to copy the labellas. Um, oh really? Will they go triple wrap though? Because you'll need mm, triple wrap to get over ninety five. I mean, you and, can get bass string. I mean, I was looking on Diodario site. Mm. You can just get single bass strings. Mate, would that not work? 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would. I, I mean, I don't know who to go to over there. I go to a company called Newtone Strings mm, okay. in the UK, and they'll do me like a one ten. Yeah. On the uh, for the low E, which is what I need to get it down into D standard because it's only thirty inches, and to D standard right. you really want thirty four. So when, oh. it's it's tricky. I got in touch with Stringjoy and was like, "Could you guys do it?" And they said they haven't done triple wrapped yet on base six okay. strings, but it is something they'll do. So the thickest they'll go is ninety five. Right. But, uh, Drop tuning a bass six is something very close to my heart. Yes. So, and there's a, <laughs> good luck. I feel like I should shout out this guy. I should look him up on YouTube really quick. But there's a guy who's been posting videos with his bass, like unmodified bass six, with the, and he uses the tremolo right. bar and everything. He's like, oh, he's wow. in drop C sharp, <laughs> and he's like, look, I'm doing the coolest <laughs> metalcore, hardcore, and he's it's like legitimately good. I'm like, oh shit, that's really good. Um, I should I want to look up his name really quick. I just love that we got a question on the hog line that was like so specific to both host and guest interests <laughs> yeah. like that. Because like, without without a prompt of like, send us a bass related question. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, oh, I just, uh, Brendan K. Padjasek. That's him. This is, this is what it sounds like. Ready? This is a basics. Let's see if I have, oh, here's an ad for a, oh no, it got skipped. Let's freaking go. Nope. Another ad. <laughs> Oh, it got skipped too. What is happening? Here we go. Whoa. That's just a base six, just straight up. That's like that's that's I I love that. Love that so much. Uh, wow. So that's the base six story. That that's the base six. Well, that is that is very different from me using mine to cover cream songs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> plink, plonk, plonk, plink, plonk. yeah, it's just so f- the only mod he's got on this is like putting that piece of foam uh above the nut so you don't get that ringing That's oh like yeah the classic oh yeah gent trick the, yeah you can tell that someone's into gent can't you if you yeah. see a bandana around yeah. the top of the guitar like, oh, my yeah. low string is <laughs> rattling too much because i keep yeah yeah i love it's just like the I love how sharp the note pulls on the attack. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the that's my plans well, with the basics. I'm enjoying it. Awesome. It's gonna be even stupider and more ridiculous soon. I'm excited to hear hear more of that that journey. I don't know if you are actually. I I am okay. based on that clip you just played, <laughs> and I've been loving your the fact that your pedal board lately has had like three or four opportunities to just like go two octaves up or you know like you have a variety of pedals well, that will all just go Wheel. i'm just gonna correct you real quick i've got the whammy whammy set octave down harmonist going an octave up but the pitchfork's going three octaves up that's where the real fun is just go, <laughs> oh my just, gosh and it just it tries to get a note but a lot of times it's just like which is really fun really fun yeah <laughs> all right well Let's get into it with yeah, our with finally. our guest who we've already introduced. Everyone You're welcome. Everyone knows Eric. who he is. No one's mad at us. Uh, <laughs> Joe, uh, you you mentioned a couple things that you were thinking about talking about, but I don't actually know yeah. what your choice is Ooh. yet. So I'll be excited to find out what your object is. Well, when you yeah, when you said I had to pick a, a single thing, I immediately went to uh, as a bass player like precision basses, but. I kind of feel that it's so very trodden and it's something that even if you don't know that much about P-Bases, you probably know you about P-Bases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So uh, so my other favorite thing in the world 
compressors is uh, uh, is what I'm trying. Compression pedals, the single greatest thing, the absolute, the tone-defining pedal that guitarists. I was going to say often overlooked. This is the biggest difference and, between basses and guitar. Like bass players always like you gotta, and guitar players like why do I need this? Why? What is this for? But that's it. It's because because people think of it as a compressor, and it's so much more. Yeah. It's you know, it's your EQ, it's your boost, it's your whole tone shaping. It's yeah. it's almost it's not modulation, but it is. You know, if you just want to play clean and you just want something, you just want a little something something. Well, the solution is or can be compressors. Compressors used as effects, not as yeah. the trend that we now have, which is multiband compression, which is compressors that you can't hear compressing. I don't want that. I want to hear. It's I like, want. Oh the no! Bad it's ducking sound. sixty hertz whenever the kick hits. Like, oh, it's so good that I can't even hear it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly. So you know. So that's it. Compressors that are bad that do their job not very well. So you can really hear them. That's what I'm all about. Interesting. An, an awesome vintage sounding compressor. Yeah. Effecty yeah. compressors. Yeah. Effective Do you have compressors. what's what's like if you, you got to pick one? Um, Hold on. I was lurking uh, your Instagram oh. and I believe you posted three boss pedals. <laughs> one included the CS2, right? Or C, is it three? The boss compressor? CS2. Yeah. yeah. The CS2, CS2 is is really important. Like um, the, the CS2 is very important to me because one of the most important bass players um, uh, to me is Juan Orderete. Mm. Uh, from yep. the Mars Volta yep. and Deltron etc etc um, and uh, I remember years years and years ago when uh, Premier Guitar rig rundowns were just you know like a a GoPro in <laughs> in like a yeah. it, it was it it was a Mars Volta tour. It was their last, their last tour before they split last time. The Nocturnica tour, and they are in like the bathroom <laughs> of a backstage <laughs> with, with with Juan Alderete and his pedal boards. And he talks through everything. And he talks about the CS2 compressor and how he uses it with fretless and how it brings out all the harmonics. And it was the first time. It was the first time I, I understood that a compressor wasn't supposed to be used subtly. Like he yeah. dimes the attack. He has the attack full the whole way round, and then he has the the sustain on like three quarters. He wants it to be heard. And until that point, I think I was like, you, you know, looking looking at a compressor, being like, how do I make it not sound yeah. like you can hear it, but it evens out my playing. And then when he did that, I was like, oh, it, it, it was like it opened up a whole thing. So the CS2 is very, very important because I think it has the the that sound that Juan used a lot and that really opened me up to it. But it's not it's not my one favorite compressor but it's you know it's a, it's in the lineage it's kind of where it's where the where yeah. the journey starts for yeah mm. yeah exactly yeah that, yeah i love the cs2 it that is the one compressor that i have bought and never sold right because i bought that like really early on honestly it was like the first i think it was the first compressor pedal i had bought and it was just because like I don't know. I heard it was really good and I was learning about pedals and a good deal popped up on one because people would talk about, how, uh, no, not the CS3. You're looking for the CS2, which, you know, it was long discontinued in yeah. 20, 2008 or so. I can't remember what exact year I would have gotten it. Yeah. But it is it does such a particular type of like effecty compression that is just so lovely and I'll, I'll have other compressors that i can set up for that more subtle thing that i end up leaving on for a long time and then eventually 
taking off because I'm like, I don't know, is it adding to it or is it just I've gotten used to having it on all the time? And so I've like I've moved through other compressors that I have liked in various ways, but the CS2 is the one that's like there's something special about that. So I love that I love that that was the first kind of the one that that opened it up for you yeah. as well. I I think it's it's really unique. Um, as uh as like a, a VCA uh, compressor as well because they tend to be very subtle and very dynamic as a as a as a way to do compression as yeah. opposed to optical or uh, or like or tube or anything like that you know, it it tends to be very transparent and the CS2 isn't and of course like at the time that wasn't what people wanted yeah. which is why Boss made the CS3 the CS3 was unchanged since 1986 it's it's been exactly the same and I don't think anyone liked it what then are the differences or now. Uh, they added like a fourth knob, but um, they added like a, it, it's how you see a lot of VCA compression. So you have like a ratio control yeah. uh, as well as like an attack and threshold. Um, it, whereas the, I, I feel the CS2 is a three knob. I feel like compressors are one of, uh, overall, the compression effect is one that I've, I've started to understand more, more recently. It's, it's a, it's an effect that confused me the most. Uh, it, both yeah. in, both in as a guitar player but then as as it's used in mixing in all the different scenarios you could possibly use it in but uh would it be wrong like the cs2 control wise looks like an la2a is that is that yeah correct just with the, sing, the single it, knob for sustain or whatever exactly and i much prefer that and the best compressors are the ones that kind of simplify things yeah. i understand that adding threshold and ratio um open up versatility but all i end up doing is trying to make it sound like most three like things like the diner comp by mxr yeah. or the the super comp or uh, um you know th like simple little simple compressors like that that just say here you go we, we've got this sorted well do you want attack Oh, do you want a little bit more sustain on that? And like sometimes you get cool things like uh, the Pigtronics, the Philosopher's mm. Tone, yep. which was another great one because that was that was a compressor that Billy Sheehan started using. And when you think about like over compressed bass tones, yeah. Yeah, whilst yeah. his music isn't especially my cup of tea, as a <laughs> as like an amazing bass sound, yeah. he he has it. And he used the Philosopher's Tone has a whole grit control on there, so it's it's almost his pre-drive, his preamp. His EQ and his compressor all in one. Have, I, I love that. Pedal have any of the compressors that. we've talked about so far? Do they have blend controls? I feel like no, right? The Pigtronics no, one does not. No, um, I don't think the Pigtronics one does. That's definitely something that's appeared um, a lot on like newer compressors, like Universal Audio. I think have started adding mixed controls to. Yeah. I don't know if they put it on their Teletronics, but I think they put it on their the 1176 oh, yeah. yeah this uh um this squish as that i just got recently has a mixed control and then the uh the deep six that i used for a long long time uh is good with the blend control too but that that seems like yeah, a like... Pr particularly for guitarists well i don't know uh, th yeah that, uh, well that allows you to do the thing where it's like oh i don't really hear it kind of like you can kind of have right. the best of both worlds but in my mind it kind of you, you miss something still i don't know it's like it's the quickest way of creating a more subtle effect. It's yeah. like, all right, gu guitarists are not that smart. Like, if if they want to hear less of the compression, let's give them one knob that just switches, like, or you know, dials the yeah. compression out and dials in some yeah. clean. Yeah, and that's helpful. You know, even for for people like me, it's like I think I kind of get compression, <laughs> yeah. but there's 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 
so much detail to the way that you know the attack and release and ratio and the the knee of the of things and you know there's so much to deep dive on the particulars of compression to to figure out what like what your ear thinks of as subtle or extreme it might be a tonal shift or it might be something in the attack or it might be something in the release or it might you know there's, there's so many yeah. different uh, little nuances yeah I, I mean i i think as as a bass player it's it's important and people think of compressors for bass as being important because it evens out uh your right hand uh or your, your picking hand mm-hmm. um and but but it's it adds dynamics which doesn't sound right because it takes away dynamics, yeah. but but it adds dynamics for a bass player because w- if we dig in, we don't want to jump out of the mix. We don't want to take over from the guitar, yeah. but it would be nice if you got it when we were digging in yeah. and when we were playing softly. And a compressor, when a compressor sort of over squashes a note, you know that that's because someone's really given it some, someone's yeah. really digging in as they play. And so it allows you to get that, it, that, illusion of feel without being a problem in in the mix of a band so I mean, that's, I mean, that's and, and that that can only work with bad compressors <laughs> yeah well, and, and that's like the function of compressors a lot of time in mixing is like oh i this i got this snare track it's like well i love it to sound like he's hitting a little harder you know they're hitting a little harder like you can get that effect like that yeah. it's like it's just this blooming smack you know ring out sound it's like well he didn't play it like that but it definitely sounds like he did now so yeah, that's that. It, yeah, I'm still learning some of these things. I feel like compression is hard. It's really hard to hear and like explain to people like what's happening. I feel like. Yeah, I think I'm also a player that um, I usually have some sort of gain staging happening. Like I usually have things driving a little bit in a way where it's like uh the compressor feels like this like extra layer if i just want to like go nuts like it just cranking all the knobs on the cs2 and just doing that for a little bit and then being like okay that was that was fun but but i should dial it back <laughs> um but i feel like i often have like enough sort of light drive stages happening that there's some there's a different character of compression happening there but it's also always I mean, kind of distorted you're also so throwing a, a freaking thing. tape emulator at the end of your chain which is <laughs> compression true, yeah. too a little bit <laughs> you're downloading a tape machine and putting it in your in your, yeah. In your chain. Yeah. yeah i'm on a very different trip <laughs> these days so. Yeah. <laughs> so what what came after the cs2 then what's uh you know uh the uh, after the cs2 i was i was working in this a guitar shop in in, in brighton called gack and uh it was so this is you know probably early 2000s mm, great time there for aren't music, that many <laughs> bad time for effects pedals though great time for music well, bad time it was for a good effects. time for the well, digitech space station and some vibrato pedals <laughs> uh, but yeah other than that. but that's that's it everything that was in gak was digitech mxr boss and electroharmonics that was it pigtronics turned up and like we we, you know they they had that big kidney bean thing and we were like my goodness an effects pedal that isn't one of these uh you know one of the companies we had but um and so you know with with such few pedals there were even fewer bass pedals we had a bass department this little back room with all our bases in we had a cabinet 
where we had to put all our pedals, which meant that we had to double up on sans amps and bass big muffs because we had to sort of try and make it look like there was more that you could buy than there was. <laughs> and, um, and and we got it in a shipment of electroharmonic stuff and we thought we'd have a look through and see what things could double up that we could bring into the bass section. And that was the first time that I found the electroharmonics black finger. Not the original, like, mid-70s three-knob one. They did a, a five-knob version. It's a tube compressor. Yeah, I was going to say, that's one of the tube um, ones. It's huge. It's yeah. it's as big as a foot. It's <laughs> it's a huge pedal. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking um, at it right With now. this massive, this, this huge sort of metal safety shield over the two tubes that are in there. And the controls are really interesting because you've got just a master compression, which is great. That's what I want, something that's just turning on the compression. Then you have a pre-gain and a post-gain. Yeah. So this is your this is your gain stage as well as your compressor now. And then you can you have a lamp or LED. So you can run this compressor as an optical compressor or as a tube compressor and then it has another another knob that just flicks between two presets which is normal norm or squish which is exactly what i want from a compressor so that yeah so look at and so that for a long time that was a looking at the controls on this one my brain says 1176 because of the pre and post gain is that fair or not really right yeah i actually never thought of that but yes you, you know that's uh it, it, it all of these things are going to be trying to imitate yeah. something from a studio aren't they i yeah. guess that, but <laughs> it, the tubes is so i, I for a second i was like oh there's one tube but no there's two tubes in there that's crazy <laughs> wow. yeah it was ridiculous. It couldn't fit. I don't think at that point in time you could buy a pedal board that it would fit on. Yeah. You know, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> it wasn't even an idea and... to go build build a Gorma or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it had, you know, the the um, the power supply was this weird little two prong thing that just fell out. You know, it was it was so impractical, but it sounded amazing. It was such a huge, um, overly compressed. This is. Just ridiculous this is what the little google blurb says about it it says unlike other tube hyped uh products on the market which use 9 to 50 volts the blackfinger's toroidal transformer allows for a full 300 volts of swing i don't know what that means but is that is that sounds like a lot lot. yeah i I think yeah i think the quick i couldn't tell you about toroidal transformers but i know that's the that's the big thing whenever a whenever like a tube-based pedal comes out the question is always is it being used are the yeah is it is it being used like a tube should be you know are they running it at a high voltage to get the tube thing or are they just using a nine volt power supply and not like doing whatever's necessary to like is is it just a gimmicky tube that sounds just like a transistor and some diodes or whatever um so that tells me that at least it's not it's not the gimmicky tube setup because uh, 300 volts. Is, They're uh, like, I know what you're going to say, voltage. but listen, there's 300 freaking volts in here. It's crazy. <laughs> I've got two words for you. Toroidal, Toroidal transformer. transformer. <laughs> yeah, and nodding your head like, huh? Yeah? Huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right, you got the that's, Toroidal. That's, that's what I was going to ask. And the I, TT. The uh, TT. Oh, you're talking <laughs> TT? Hell yeah. Uh, well, so how, how would you uh, describe the differences between this and the CS2, especially if you're using it for over-compression sound or you're using the word bad, which 
seems like you should. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I just mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. When when a compressor compresses your low end too much, so when you dig in, you get a squashy sound. That's the sound that I like, but I think that's not what compressors were intended to do. They weren't. They were. They're supposed to be so. So when I say bad, I guess I mean well, that. And a, and a lot but of them the, try, attempt to fix that with a side chain thing, right? You can turn up a side chain filter and be like, don't react to things. Uh, below this frequency that I set, like that—that's an attempt right, to yeah. fix the thing you're talking about, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. In a studio situation, yeah. e- e- easily done. But um, but yeah, they they these sorts of compressors tend to do it very sloppily, and especially on a bass, just create that real squish on your low end when you dig in. But um, the uh, the difference. This is the black finger was something that I would get and play just play some bass with the black finger and it would be so much fun and it would sound great i never did gig one or play one in a band situation but i imagine that the sort of settings that i was enjoying from the black finger would be a little too much perhaps (laughs) to yeah for for practical use so the, the cs2 is offers this sort of thing in a usable package Whereas the black finger is just really you, you could dial back the black finger, sure, but then are you really getting enough more out of the black finger than you would the CS2? Bear in mind, this is half your pedal board. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and is that a thing where do you find that you generally have the compressor on all the time, or is it something you're engaging and disengaging for particular moments? I I'd, I'd just have it on all the time. Um, the 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 pedal that's actually on my pedal board, the compressor that I use, was the CS2 for the longest time, but it has quite a high noise floor, certainly when you use it the way I do. So um, uh, I got a, a Thorpe FX mm. Fat General um, is the the latest thing that's been on my board, and it's so good because it it's got all of that vintage squish with absolutely no noise. It's so clean and dynamic and versatile and it can do the subtle thing and the over the top thing and does it all without having to hold on to your fretboard at all times otherwise things are going to get very noisy Mm, Um, (laughs) that is huge but that's that it's the the fat general is is brilliant like it 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 does it does the job you know better than any anything else but i'm still just a sucker for any of those like old compressors like mxr the dynacomp the super comp yeah oh the super comp because they added a grit control i loved the dynacomp is just two knobs right that's like one of the simpler ones most simple ones yeah yeah exactly the the dynacomp was great and then uh whirlwind when uh the the when whirlwind set up and started doing the original version of the mxr pedals with no leds which was incredibly annoying but it didn't (laughs) matter because the compressor stays on but uh, yeah uh, they they did the whirlwind red comp and that was that was fantastic that was a really really good two knob compressor and uh, like around that time I picked up an analog man bi comp oh yeah which was which was great it is part original MXR Dynacomp and part orange squeeze have you do do you know the orange squeeze compressor I know of it do you I ever see one of those. I've heard I've heard the name, but it's I'm realizing that I am not super well versed in compressors overall. Like it's interesting thing about like eleven seventy six and LA two A and realizing there are these studio compressions that are like 
kind of gold standards that like like in terms of reference points yeah. and i'm realizing i don't actually i'm not actually super familiar with those yeah, or like the either. orange squeezer it's like i know that like the jhs pulp and peel exists or like other you know i know that there's like a variety of boutique implementations of an orange squeezer type thing but i don't actually know what the what that thing is you know well, the, the the best thing about the orange squeezer was it wasn't a pedal um it came from that time before people had worked out that guitarists were going to use their feet to control stuff oh. so it's a it's a jack socket box that attaches to your oh, wow. um to your input so you would then run your guitar from huh. from that from the orange squeeze and i think it has one control uh, on it if if any knobs <laughs> it might just be a predetermined compression but it's uh it was yeah it was a weird compressor in that it was very aggressive and there was nothing you could do about that and analog man <laughs> added that on one side and uh the dynacomp on the other so you can run those in series which is ridiculous yeah. or uh you can use either or independently oh that's um, cool i was, which I was is gonna a lot ask if it's two in one or not but there yeah there it is that's cool yeah yeah it's really cool that i actually really liked because it allowed me to kind of I've thought sometimes about putting two compressors on a pedal board, but I, I feel like that would be a, you would a, get them laughed out space. of here. You'd, people would be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Come on, you can't, can't control your dynamics well enough, dude. What's the problem? <laughs> What's going on with your right hand? There, are you doing anything?" <laughs> but the, this it allowed me to like you know have like a root compression sound, and then if I was playing fretless or if I was doing anything that yeah. needed like a bunch of harmonics, then you could. You could put on that orange squeeze. Well, I know you, you already said this is kind of like not your thing, but even I, I've talked about this multiple times on here already, which is silly. But the only reason I know about LA2A or 1176 is because of the UAD plugins. So I've never, I never touched right. a real one. But even like right now on my voice, because I'm running through UAD, it's it's an API preamp into an LA2A into an 1176 because someone told me once like vocals into an 11 uh, LA2A into an 1176 <laughs> both set kind of subtly. Sounds really good, and I'm like, oh. I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but that, yeah. that yeah, I feel the, like there are there are a lot of examples like that of times where having two compressors is, you know, I'm thinking of like the what's the Cali uh, the like Origin, origin yeah. slide yeah, rig, yeah, the one Cali that's 76. Like actually, yeah, is it Cali yeah, 76? The, that one is really good. Yeah, there's I think there's the one called Slide Rig or something. Yeah. It's like a variant on the, within uh, that lineup that's that's actually two compressors like in one pedal that you. I think I think maybe they take some of the controls off the face in order to just run two circuits into each other, but it's it it is definitely a thing having two compressors together. I've it is a I've thing. Never dabbled, but let's make a compressor. <laughs> let's do an old blow noise compressor. What would that be? Actually, I threw an idea in that the Slack should. about it a while ago. I just remembered. <laughs> we we have talked about the generalized idea of making a compressor, and every time the question is why <laughs> what what could make yeah well like what could make compression feel like old blood because that you know like any any product we're making is like we want it to feel kind of unique and inspiring and it might it might borrow from familiar sounds but it should have some sort of weird edge to it yeah and with compression it feels like you can you can get effecty with it you know there's there's subtle or there's more affected but is there such a thing as weird compression and i think when we can answer that question is when we will it's it, it seems like you've got to do you've got to add something to it like comp compression on its own isn't going to be the thing that jumps out is like oh that's weird and cool it has to, like i think of the instant lo-fi junkie where it's like 
compression combined with chorus combined with a couple other things to make it like this lo-fi sound is part of a whole system of of things or whatever i don't know yeah or you could you could have it be like an overall like weirdo dynamics processor or maybe it does like a slow gear type thing and compression and dan i'm gonna question mark and etc i'm gonna try something right now that we've not done before on this show i'm going to make a call uh Call the hog line with your recommendations for an old blood noise compressor. Let's see if this is a bad there idea or not. Folks, give I've us your said, idea. Let's crowdsource yeah. it. <laughs> your best compressor idea. Hit, hit the hog line. What is it? 505-633-4647. That's what it is. Tell us. Okay. You good over there, Dan? I am good. I'm the battery died on my camera, so I was I was I was pondering the the abstract idea of compression while trying to put a new battery in it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, Joe, do you think, I mean, I'm pretty interested in compression as a bass player, you as a bass player versus a guitar player, because it, it just seems like it's far more useful for bass players just because of the frequencies that you're at. Like, yeah, pro- a lot of guitar players don't need a compressor and they're probably getting compression from different points in the rig where they may not realize that's happening already you know yeah absolutely like uh you know what one of the the guy who founded guitar nerds mark packham he he always used to because i've always loved compressors and he always used to say as a as a a punk (laughs) a pop punk playing plectrum playing yeah. bassist he used to say well you know the com- if you if you want a compressor a cheap compressor it's one of these <laughs> it's a pick yeah uh it's a pick yeah, yeah. and uh, and i think uh, i mean i still have compression on when i pick but i guess it's uh it's really useful for finger style playing a lot more than maybe it is sure you know if uh on a guitar it's just so different though i guess again when i think about when you play finger style on a guitar you really want those dynamics you actually want those yeah. dynamics you don't want them to be taken away so it's why compressors are only ever on tic tac stuff i guess yeah. for for guitar really as like a as a main thing but well, or it's, you know um, always just use i guess i'm mostly just thinking of the mixing uses but just like it's always these subtle like oh we're like it, it almost ends up being like a multi-band usage like oh it'll it'll only clamp a right. tiny like 2 db when it like you chug and hit a low note or something you know um but yeah. again those are just like working on a mix not like oh it's just me and my amp here i don't know yeah speaking of you know like a, an old blo- like an, a heavily effectsy style compressor um, the the uh, something that combines things, although it might not be as outlandish as as that. I I always thought um, guy uh, guy Pratt um, the pink the current Pink Floyd that sounds awful. Is it the Pink Floyd bass player who's been in the band for like twenty the years, but bass yeah, but isn't <laughs> uh, yeah, but isn't Roger Waters? Yeah, uh, so guy Pratt um, has a compressor, a signature compressor with Ashdown. And uh, I was I was kind of there when they were putting it together, and he uh, he had it. It's an eighteen volt compressor, which uh, uh, people found very annoying. I dealt with out pure outrage. Like it was only eighteen on, uh, volts. So, you couldn't do. Nine. Yeah, it can, oh. it can only run on eighteen. Okay. Yeah, so uh, people were very They're angry about that. But it was give uh, you more headroom. Don't get mad. They're trying <laughs> to just make it sound better. Exactly, but it was a uh, an eighteen an eighteen volt compressor where everything's fixed 
The controls you have are bass, middle and treble. It's an EQ and you are controlling the amount of compression on each of those bands uh, of EQ. So that's so that's, that's, that's multi-band so, then straight up, right? So yes, yeah, I guess so. But it's but it's giving you a real direct control of the EQ rather yeah. than rather than it being because on most multi-band that's that's some science that's going yeah, on like, in oh, the, the pedal, ratio making at this it frequency is different than at this. Yeah, exactly. Where this time you're just controlling the three bands, and it meant that the compressor was ridiculous and. Guy Pratt said he doesn't. He, it's not an always-on compressor for him. Huh. He uses it occasionally for for things where he wants a note to last an infinite amount of time, and it was almost a, a sustainiac in a in pedal form for him. I'm looking That's at a picture, he, and the, yeah. the labels are dark, medium, and light for the knobs. Oh yes, like being handed a compressor cool. and being like, "Here's the control." They'd be like, "What? What is this?" It's because <laughs> it's called the Macchiato compressor, so it's ah, okay. it's coffee ah, themed. Cool coffee theme. Yeah. Why'd they make it a blue then? That that messes with me. That's like <laughs> it's like you know Strymon blue. They did uh, they did a triple shot overdrive at the same time, where they uh, where all the gain controls are called roast and uh, I'm I'm I hate <laughs> controls that don't tell you what the control is. I don't I don't care about the silly name. I want to know the function of the knob. Man, we, in a hurry. I need, probably I need Felipe <laughs> or Philippe from Caroline to make a compressor and put some wacky ass. The little drawings on yeah. the knobs. No, no words, just ha, pictures. Have you, have you ever tried even like trying to work out what a, a, a DOD meat box does? One of the yeah. originals. Like the the controls <laughs> make no sense. There's no relevance. <laughs> They're just meat words. Uh, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I love. I just love that. That's like I can picture like the focus group that didn't happen would have been everyone in the room yelling, it's just meat it's words. Just... <laughs> <laughs> What's the PRS pedal that came out? Horse meat, right? Yeah, the horse, horse meat. meat. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking of... It's like it's like actually a really nice sounding clown style pedal. They, they were all, all really good, all really good pedals. <laughs> I thought it was so weird that a PRS went for such a, um, a modern look for such classic... Yeah pedals but i guess that is prs isn't it doing a classic thing in with a modern look modern-ish look but uh but yes the the horse beat was very good their compressor was very good it was something something mary i can't remember what Wind it was called. Yeah. mary mary cries oh that was the flanger was it yeah. oh. so it yeah it, what, what it was is the the flanger yeah. was called wind through the trees oh, yeah. and the compressor was called mary cries <laughs> And that so the it. names together make you think of Wind, Wind Cries, Cries Mary, Mary right. but the names separately make you go, is that, but was that the intent or are these references and then to else or whatever? There's <laughs> horse meat too. So, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of respect it though. We're like, it's like, everyone's like, well, what is the, what is the thing here? I don't even know what it is. I kind of respect it. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Control names are, are a whole thing. That's, we've run into that sometimes with, especially a lot of the like, kind of older old blood pedals where they are uh they're multi-mode pedals so like when you look at a dark star like what is control you, one there's what is control two yeah you kind of have to just call them control one and control two otherwise control one would be called like pitch or time or you pitch like again. nine words and control the, two yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. it's tough i don't know that is, i feel like 
the this is a conversation we've had a lot, especially this this past year or so. It's just like knob per function versus having alt functions hidden yeah. under knobs for seven. You know, all the all the different ways of approaching UI. Yeah. And I'm I'm somebody that kind of can get excited either direction. Like mm. when when there's a bunch of alt functionality, but it feels like it opens up all these other possibilities, I go, okay, I'll just I'll need the manual open, but that's fine. Yeah, but then that's when it. You can that's do what it comes to. It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's when having you, it's you have to have the manual. Yeah. And when you can do something with just like three knobs, it's like immediately inspiring and interesting. That's its own sort of yeah. beautiful thing. And I and I guess preferable, but Ultimately, sometimes you just need a lot of control over weirder effects. That... Meris are a big one for that, I think. Mm. Alt functions on, on rotary knobs. Um, I found it like difficult, uh, I think, when you know trying to use something like the Enzo and being like, well, I, I bought one secondhand, so there were already a bunch of presets on there. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea how to get back. <laughs> well, if, to, if you're in dry yeah. mode, then the, the alt for this is this. But if you're in uh, ARP mode, it's different. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. and I guess that's the tough thing is that when you make a mistake and change a setting, <laughs> then you don't know what part of the manual to look at to go back. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. Like, oh, what did what did what did I do? My thing yeah. about alt controls the, is like the the microcosm is my favorite example of like a well done alt controls because they're labeled on the thing. The button is labeled like this is the alt button and when you press it the the label is there. So it's like that feels okay to my brain. I'm just imagining like another set of controls where I, I can't even muscle memory remember what those are because because they're labeled right there. But that that's the kind of alt control system where I'm like, this doesn't bother me as much. Yeah, I thought the Merius LVX did a really good job mm-hmm. as well of just making something that was actually very usable out the box. I was really uh, a little uh reluctant when i got yeah. the lv like i didn't i didn't give it enough time at all you when it first came around because i was it, yeah it, I, I just thought it was going to be a lot of work and then i plugged it in and you know it, it made sense yeah. even without a manual within five minutes you're making interesting noises with it right um that's that's it's, it's good i think we're moving forward as pedals are getting more complicated as we're getting you know microcosm and everything else people are finding more intuitive smarter ways of actually making them controllable yeah. hopefully with not too much screen hopping and yes. with mostly rotary controls yes 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 yeah it's yeah it's something we're all navigating where it's like as things are getting more powerful more intricate how do you apply that i mean it's something that I, we think about a lot with like expression pedals where pe- people started adding expression control which is awesome but there was no standard way of doing it and so when we've made things like expression ramper we had to ask questions of like what you know what's the most standard way of doing it is it the way that we're doing it or is that just our bias because we're like yeah i think the most normal way is the way that we do it Uh, yeah Yeah. i'm i'm curious i feel like we've we've gone way off compressors which is (laughs) which is fine but it but it has me curious so you so as somebody who has gone from like the the cs2 to the black finger fat general the the bicomp you've you've sort of had a lot of them along the way i've kind of almost two questions stemming from that one being are there any others you just want to shout out that have been really like interesting in their own way and then the flip side of that being is there something that you're still chasing like is there a sort of sound or quality that you're still waiting to find like the one that You're does trying the trying to get thing. the perfect bass slap tone, like the Seinfeld uh, song. <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> that's what he's looking for. 
the the um like like other really like compressors that are definitely worth noting uh, that are a little bit different are um Anasounds, the French company Anasounds, they made a really interesting compressor called the Lazy Comp, and it just has one knob. Man, compressors don't want to is... work these days; they're too lazy. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it's a uh, it's just it's just a mix control, and Ooh. everything is fixed. The ratio, the amount of compression, all of that is fixed. You are just blending it in with your clean signal, and there's a, they put a couple of like dips, which is in like if you open up the back of the pedal, you can change a couple of the things, but in general, it's uh, it's very well voiced straight out of the box, and I, I loved it. I thought it was such a great idea, and it was so close to the sort of compression that I liked. I also loved the look of their pedals. They yeah, uh, like they, they were constantly changing. Like. Yeah, they did like bamboo. I got one in like a, maybe 2015, and at that time they were doing bamboo-faced uh, pedals. They were That's really cool. cool with sort of like etching on them. Um, they were great. It's, that was a really good compressor. Um, but the other one worth mentioning actually probably answers the second question as well um, in like a compressor, compression tone that I've been hunting for. And the Fat General by Thorpey very much, I don't know if it'll ever come off my board. I think it's it's very, very good. But the thing that I've always wanted that I recently got was a, a um, the Diamond uh, bass compressor mm. slash EQ. Um, now that they're back, Right. Uh, now that Diamond are back, um, Solid Gold are now making Diamond pedals. But um, that is a a fantastic. I love Diamond stuff. It's um, it's got this cool, simple, dated look yeah. to them that I kind of really I, it's I'm really classy, into. Though. It's really classy. Yeah. yeah. Nothing's nothing's There's, got it, a name. You know, their drive is. Drive. Yeah. Their compressor is the, compressor. The Their tremolo compressor is, is tremolo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's there's no. It's there's. They're not messing around. Um. Uh, I, but I, I. I just love it. I'm looking at it now. Like I had a diamond compressor way back in the day, but my the guitar one definitely had a mix. No, no, it didn't have a mix knob. I remember it being a more subtle compressor than other ones I'd used, and that's why I liked. I was okay with it without the mix knob. Right. Um. But I feel like I heard because that was like an optical one, right? And I feel like I've heard. I feel like that pedal was an example of like, well, optical is more subtle. Like, for example, listen to this pedal. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I I definitely find uh, the com because it has compression as like a, a rotary control. Right. I just have that on full, <laughs> and even on full, it's probably it's just at like CS two. Yeah territory you know <laughs> so um it, it is more subtle but it's it just it sounds gorgeous and for bass it also has a very usable it's eq controls on there yeah i'm looking at this tilt knob mids yeah. and a tilt which is great that's kind of what you if you if you like a p bass style bass player then actually having like this mids control is great i mean i guess you know if you wanted a modern sound you could scoop some of that but um it's brilliant for just like pushing a little bit of clang through the compressor and you know killing two birds with one stone with really having a, a nice little preamp eq at the yeah. start of your chain along with a compressor it just does everything so well and so effortlessly and sounds really good what? they're they're very much worth the worth the money because they've come back at quite a premium price i feel but um yeah I, you know, this kind of brings good. up something i was thinking about which in in mixing there's a lot of like not not really a debate or whatever but just people have different preferences on doing 
uh, compression into EQ or EQ into compression. Like, there's right. no there's no wrong way there. But I, I'm curious, even on the on this pedal, like, it, are those EQ adjustments pre or post? Um, if you know, or and do you yeah, have any know, preferences personally with, with that? I mean, I'd always put an EQ pedal after okay. uh, a compressor on a pedal board. Um, the compressor would always be first, the very first okay. thing. And then, so you're allowing uh, it to react to your yeah. full frequencies, not not uh, something that gets a little saturated or, or shifted or whatever. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I think the way I use compressors a lot of the time is to add a little bit of tonal character though right. as well. So they, they sort of double up as a bit of an EQ pedal. The type of... Uh, you know, like the the Thorpe FX Fat General, that's got a treble control on yeah. it, and uh, um, so you can get a little bit more zing out of everything, or or sort of muddy everything up if you <laughs> want as well. And I kind of like being able to deal with that on in, in one box. Simple controls are something I'm a, I, I think I'm a a fan of. Just for I, I want if I have to change something in a gig scenario. I need to be able to change that thing quickly and easily yeah. and be able to isolate what what thing I am going to change to get that. And as a bass player, it's very room dependent yeah. on what I'm going to need to adjust. And so having those controls be very simple and easy to work with is, is kind of important. Because I, I think why I'd, I've always, you, you know, stay away from things with screens too much or yeah. anything where I'm going to have to hop into stuff like, yeah, I, I have bought and sold Line 6 Helix countless times <laughs> to the point that I have two at the moment because I forgot that I had one and then I bought another one. And But I, I love them so much, but I, I don't think I'd ever want to be in a situation with any uh, sort of multi-effects unit like that where I had to try and change something yeah. and then worry about how that's going to impact other patches or whether that has impacted other... It, it yeah. just I, I'm sure if you know it inside out, you can d- deal with that. But I find just having a couple of rotary controls that I need to get to to make those EQ adjustments that are room dependent. That that's that's ideal. Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's something to be said for, like I think you know I was talking recently on the podcast about recording uh, with a quad cortex as like pretty much the whole the whole rig. But I wanted to have like a drive pedal in front of it just to have one thing that I could reach down and easily like yeah. to not have to menu dive and and to have that that thing of like you say to be able to reach for a treble knob and just say like i just need a bit more or a bit less quick motion i don't have to worry about hitting something that will throw anything else off i think and i i think it's also interesting the way when you talk about the compressor and its relationship to like the right hand the idea of having that first in your chain really accentuating that relationship where it's like the closest you can get aside from i guess the orange squeezer being literally plugged into the jack you know is, <laughs> yeah. is closer yeah. but going through a cable and then hitting that that pedal first is like the optimal way of um, having it connected to to your right hand yeah yeah i guess so they are yeah the the single most important thing for me as a bass player on a pedal board you know, not not just because I love the sound of an obvious compressor, but yeah, just because it is, it it, it impacts every other effect that you're gonna yeah. plug into it, and and it's gonna impact how your drive is gonna react massively. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, they're they're well good compressors, and no <laughs> one, yeah, I feel like they they don't get the praise that they need for multiple reasons because they're not very glamorous. Because bass players these days are obsessed with multi-band compressors that aren't doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's it's uh, yeah, that it it it's uh, they can be everything. Their EQ, their drive, yeah. their their tone, their compressor, they're cool. Compressors are wicked, yeah. but um, <laughs> underappreciated. I I would I love I love the the overall compressor journey too. Like I I you know I wanted to be like, but Joe for the for the episode title you got to pick one, and then I'm like, no no you nah. don't gotta. It'll be no. it'll be Joe Branton and oh the am I supposed compressor. to? I've got, the, oh right, have I got to pick a single one? No, nah, you don't have, have I? To do that. We've yeah we've had a variety. We had uh, we had Jesse from Twenty Nine Pedals he on didn't pick and anything. he. He said he talked about a few completely different things, and we basically just went down a number of rabbit holes. And then, like an hour in, Andy was like, "So, what's your object?" <laughs> yeah. So, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so, I, if, I, I love, if, if I'm I saying one, a... I will say CS2, okay. Boss CS2. That's the yeah. most important historically, as well as uh, everything else. I feel like that pedal impacted how people made that sort of compression sound. Plus, it's also Juan Duretta uses it. Yes. He's cool. There you go. That yeah. one. Would love. I think he would be of, a think, huge get on the show, but that would be like. Incredible. That would be yeah. It'd be really fun to talk with him. Goals hashtag. It'd be goals. wild if he also picked a CS two. Yeah. He, yeah. He. He's We'd great. be like, no, we, sorry, um, Joe already picked that one. Pick a different one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Um, uh, he did like an in-store years ago in Gak, which I got to arrange. It was really great, and I got to go for dinner with him afterwards. Ooh. And uh, a couple of years after that, Guitar Nerds were going to this thing in Germany called GitCon, and my band had done some touring with Terra Melos, so I knew Nick Reinhardt yeah. from that. And then um, because pedals and effects were just starting out, Juan and Nick were also coming to GitCon. And, it, you know, it was one of the one of the loveliest things ever that when I turned up, um, Juan remembered me and said, said hi and we got to hang out for the whole thing which was really nice I don't think I ever told him quite how important a bass player he was because <laughs> that would be a little weird yeah. but um, I, I actually just I just sent him because I, I, I work with a few pedal companies but one of the pedal companies I work with is Great Eastern Effects Co this tiny little Cambridge UK uh, pedal company that just make drives and a fuzz just three pedals and I'd done like a, a demo uh, with that fuzz pedal on bass and Juan had messaged being like, oh, this sounds great. So uh, I just sent him one and he's just doing some videos with it at the moment, which is really cool. Also really great for Juan to be making bass yeah. videos again. Yes, I know yes, it's yes. been a real long journey yeah. to recovery for him. And uh, I think we're just about starting to get pedosandeffects.com back up and running, Every which time is going to be him, wonderful. He, posts from him are one of the few ones where I'm like, oh, I get like a little boost. Like it's not like I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'm doom scrolling. Like, oh, Juan. Yes. Good to see you, Juan. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Um, I we've mentioned it a little bit, but do you have more thoughts about parallel compression? Because it, it seems like you don't use it. And I wonder if there's been points where you're like, oh, I tried uh one with a, a mix knob and like eh, or you know, whatever. Oh the um yeah, I I used like the boss BC one X, which was their sort of parallel multi-band compressor. Is that a bass? Uh, for, given the B bass compressor? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did two. They did it as a regular one. I think they did the CS1X okay. and they did the BC1X at the same time. Which, yeah, yeah, that would be right. Um, and the, it was part of their that MDP technology. So it's the mm. X series, okay. which I think is their, their MDP digital technology version of their pedals. And it, it was great. It, to be honest, it was it was on my pedal board as my compressor for maybe almost the longest time of any compressor. So even though I talk the talk about all yeah, the yeah. 
those lovely <laughs> effecty ones sometimes you do just need something that's very simple so i've got a lot of time for that sort of thing but i think as i get older i'm more i i love more a, a ridiculous compressor and then you know if anything sensible needs to be done that's something that uh, if it's on a record then that's something that um you know the the producer can do yeah with my uh, it just uh, my brain sure, yeah, my yeah. brain with compressors is is more constantly in, in mix mode than anything else so like i think about right. you know they they always they want to take your bass DI as long as as well as the amp, and then you isolate the low frequencies from the DI, mix it with the high frequencies from the amp, and it's like there's all these tricks you can do. You parallel compress it, you smash the hell out of it, and then move that, do that in parallel, so you get best of both worlds. Um, so that it does, but it doesn't seem as much like in the mixing world. The trick is to just fucking crank it, you know, just fucking go into yeah. it, <laughs> which it, which is maybe that's that's why it's uh, more reserved for like. The front end like oh this is the physical instrument i'm playing like we're going a little more nuts here yeah know? yeah yeah you you're not i guess when you're putting things on a pedal board you you're inclined to think less about the um the overall mix or the whole band you think about your tone yeah. a little bit and uh i guess that's that's it it's pretty it's probably not a good thing but it's no uh, I, I think it is <laughs> i mean like that that's the the recording is a is a mix of all these different people doing their own things, and that's that's what the mix is, and that's that's not your yeah, job. You. Your job is to get crazy with it. <laughs> Someone else's job to like exactly. figure out the low end in the mix, you know. Yeah, <laughs> unless exactly. you're doing that too. But I I sorry. actually I, I do the I do the same same thing as you with all the demos and jingles and everything else that I record. I have that UA LA two A compressor on the end. In fact, that's that's everything I'm normally going into is just um. It's just a, a red DI into the LA two A compressor that tends to be the yep. recorded bass tone. Yep. That I use. Just simple. There's so there's so but many that, that I've I've been watching so many uh like metal mixing videos, especially to be like, Oh, how do you how do you mix a guitar that's in double drop D? You know, how the hell are you do that? <laughs> um But all all these guys are just it's well the, uh, most of them they don't have a guitar rig. They plug directly into a DI. And like some of them are like, I have a plug in I throw on to like hear myself while I'm recording. But like the entire, the entirety of the tone is decided after that, which is crazy. But, yeah. Um, I, like I can't quite go there or like, I just, I have to have something coming back at me that like is exciting. Uh, as opposed to just like, I don't throw it on a, a whatever so I can record and then get the, get the vibes from it later like i i don't know i i get it but i just no, can't yeah, really that's... uh go there yet option paralysis that's yeah. what that does i f I, f I found that because i did that i think uh a couple of years ago guitar nerds i think you know during like the pandemic and lockdown uh guitar nerds did like a podcast series on teaching people how to record at home because it you know everyone plugins suddenly yeah, yeah, overnight yeah. became free from everyone so i was like right i'm gonna we'll do a podcast series teaching people how to record and i got so into it and you know downloaded so many plugins that i started doing everything like that like just recording straight into a di box and then you know adding everything choosing Every everything afterwards yeah. and it's just yeah it's too much so it's so much simple like I, I know like what i think of as a good guitar sound doesn't change yeah so there's no need for me to 
mess around with it loads afterwards it's it's much more sim- it's sensible to keep things well, what if you want to very simple and layer it with four other guitar tracks and like <laughs> what if you want to do some parallel multi-band you know yeah yeah i feel like it's it's the the playing of the thing is so informed by the tone of the thing and that's yeah what will always get me stuck if i like i if I did take that approach of like, let me just record the guitar and then I'll process it later. I know that the recording of the guitar would be so bad because I would have no like dynamic interaction or real interest in what I was playing. So it would just be like the blandest take possible because it's the blandest tone possible. <laughs> for, for whatever this is worth, because I've, I've been doing this this week, I've been recording some guitar tracks and it's like it's with a I'm featuring a pedal. So it's like. I have to go through my pedal board and then in, but the the way I have it set up right now is guitar to pedal board, pedal board to a matrix mixer, and then I'm using matrix mixer to split it. One output goes to an amp, the other output goes to my DI. So when I'm recording, I literally uh, don't have headphones on or anything. I just play it through the speakers and I play along with it with my real amp. But then what's getting recorded is just the DI, <laughs> and I and I have that. I throw uh, like a diesel VH4 on it, but it's kind of like a happy in-between for me, where it's like when I'm recording the part, yeah. it's like I'm hearing it in the room and I'm playing it against the speakers, but um, what I get is I'm committing to my pedal board tones and the overdrive and distortion there. I just have to tweak an amp, um, and I've been enjoying kind of doubling it and like using the same amp left and right, but changing the cab on the right, so it's like the same EQ, but just like a different flavor of it on each side. So I don't know. That's my little – that's what I've been, how I've been working the last couple of days, actually kind of fun yeah that makes sense yeah. as a almost like a best of both worlds thing where you can yeah. get that you know you, you can have something that will help you play better but you don't if you later are like oh that's actually not the tone for now that i've fleshed everything else out you know you can adjust and it's there. still it it's a still a little bit of laziness like i do literally have a mic on the cab i could like do that but there is a part of me i do want a little extra something something i can do on the back end post-production wise so yeah yeah that's that's a good that's that is actually a great idea. I think I suffer from the same thing in that I tend to record into like a, a Victory V7, the copper, so that I've got like a, a Vox style sound yeah, just yeah. sort of straight off the bat and it's dead simple. But it does mean that whenever I'm recording, I am listening back to that just through my monitors in the room, which it would be nice to to have an, an amplifier in the room actually making the noise as well. I, I, I like the, I'm going to steal that idea and, uh, and split <laughs> something into a real amp as well. Like that. What is happening? I think that was oh. Ableton actually. What was oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> Hello? We're having a real we're having a real fun time. I've I've been a ghost for the last yeah. twenty minutes. Uh check. Whoops. Okay. I had, I had a I had a long I had a long R and D meeting before this and I didn't have a second battery charge. So that's uh, the it's my camera. I keep just telling you to just buy the 15 bucks on on amazon the camera camera dummy i know thing. i need my, to mine's for, mine's just my iphone damn damn oh. <laughs> i have this like fancy camera for old blood purposes so i feel like you know i gotta gotta fire it up but then ultimately uh 45 minutes into a podcast like, i just disappear wow. so yeah 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 i bought like a sony zv1 or whatever it is which was supposed to be the perfect camera for exactly this purpose but it will not last an hour's podcast so yeah, no that's an l that's yeah. an l 
I'll get the uh, I'll get the I gotta get one of those dummy battery things. I had it's like this one has USB power delivery, but nah, it only works sometimes. Don't, don't so that's that. a whole thing. Nah. This is this isn't good podcasting. No, this Who is cares great. about this? <laughs> stuff. So good. What are we doing? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh yeah, compression, huh? Pretty cool. Uh, I well yeah, I was I had a thought way way back but it was about oh i think when you know we're talking about how like it's been a journey through compression uh so like not not just like we're only going to talk about this one but we're going to talk about compressors as a whole and i think part of the the like the brief for object worship is you know getting to know somebody through this object and i feel like most of the time people pick something very early on that is you know that was you know just an early inspiration but i i'm really interested also in like the more recent things you know so a thing that like you know we've we have all been musicians for a very long time now and involved in the gear world for a very long time and it's interesting the things that can still inspire and 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 change our, our minds or our approach and so i love that kind of like cs2 through to fat general thing of like the to be able to highlight something that is newer and solve some problems and represents something that has has fixed the issues with the the old old vintage one for you uh but also highlighting the you know the place where it starts yeah yeah the uh, i mean i think that that's uh that kind of idea is something that thorpe effects bring to so many of their probably all of their pedals because they all are vintage inspired but he does a great job of what was the thing that people didn't like about this yeah. product that i'm thinking of and it and they always finds it finds a way of of making them and of course it, like uh adrian thorpe from thorpe effects works with dan coggins um you know to previously of uh, of love pedal mm. uh, and okay. uh, they and so you know they they do a great job of reinventing Dan Coggins old ideas with modern sensibilities as well so it's um and those things yeah, are they're such like a good brand for that. Things, I've never played one but they look like you could just like roll them over with a steamroller and be fine yeah yeah well uh, yeah adrian thorpe used to be uh he used to be in the military and i think it was uh it was his job to uh to uh put together weapons like as in to choose you know well if this is going to be desert warfare we need this sort of scope and and this sort of thing and that was his job within the military and he is he's bringing that sort of robust this thing cannot under any circumstances break down they pro- they at probably any have point like a specific sensibility uh, beer testing corner where they like pour a bottle of beer on each pedal and they're like, mm, like studying it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how much is getting inside yeah exactly <laughs> we did actually i did that when i was uh i was running the youtube channel for gak i think the video is still up uh we tested to see if a was it a tu3 I think it was a tu3 to see if a tu3 would still work after we dropped it in a jug of beer um. Oh my god! <laughs> now, okay, this this reminds me of my idea that I always bring up every once in a while. I want someone to steal it, which is you you get a pedal, you throw it on a, a Weber grill, so like a charcoal grill. You start playing and you play until that thing melts. You know, you just light it on fire. <laughs> and the, the more expensive the pedal, the better, because then the comments are people are going to be so mad, but you'll get so much engagement. Like, How dare you light a, a big sky on fire? Like, why would you do that? Uh, but man, yeah. when the when this when the like servo control breaks down and the sliders on that CXM start just wildly moving yes. as it burns yes. out, I mean, 
I I didn't think I was on board, and then this is now my new ASMR TikTok need. I need to watch petals get destroyed by fire. Uh, Five years ago, crushing a TU three with a truck, a forklift. Oh, did we do that? Yeah, my coffee cup. Yeah, I think we did that as well. I'm looking at it right now. Unless you're clickbaiting me, (laughs) in which case I'm mad at you. No, I guess we did that. I I guess we did do that. Wow. I think we we went through. It was a real clickbait time period on YouTube. I think so. We were uh, now. (laughs) I don't know. I stopped trying to be on YouTube long ago. Here's the uh, forklift. (laughs) I see it coming up. Oh, it's about to crush it. Three, two, one. Ooh, that was. It didn't even. Wow. It barely even crushed it. Man, boss rocks, dude. No one can beat boss. God. No, those things are indestructible. I think the best thing we did on that channel was uh, we plugged in, uh, we did a 50-watt Marshall head versus 50 one-watt Marshall battery amps. And we, uh, I bet that sounded just like a swarm of up. bees or something. What did that sound like? Well, yeah, well, well, I'll tell you, I'll let you in on yeah. a secret, which was all of all of the comment section, of course, was, was very interested in this. How did we plug in 51 watt Marshall battery amps at once? The answer is we did not. It was fabricated. We oh, didn't. No. It was about the clicks. I think we plugged in about 10 <laughs> and then I got bored. I was like, I can't get any more ABY this boxes out. People need to buy these. Exactly. At a certain point, you have to say, surely 10 will sound close <laughs> enough to 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's that video. It looks insane. No, it's it's drastically different. The, the, the final 40. There it is. That's the 50. Nice. Great martial sound. Classic. <laughs> the visual of it is so funny. <laughs> uh, these are good bits that you did on there. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. There you go. Yeah, that's what happens when a. I love uh, that we've a, derailed a, a, into Andy just watching. Uh, oh yeah, cool. YouTube videos yeah. Of, YouTube. of our guest. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that was uh, when uh, I was the marketing manager in GAC, and it's uh, it was the, the, it's uh, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful shop GAC, but it was very much the Wild West. I think they just assumed that I knew what I was doing, and I absolutely well, didn't. We got one point four million views to... on this bad boy. Like that's that's pretty good. Yeah, no, like, no, I guess that one did really go down works, well. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I really wish I'd played guitar on that one. Now I let I let the, uh, one of, one of the the other guys do it, and now I'm like, God damn it! That's yeah. like the most successful video I've ever been you in. And I'm even just sitting there. On it all. <laughs> you're just sitting there, like, right? I have it paused on a screen where you're like, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. cool. Should we move on to the plugs? Should we move it move it up here? Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, perfect opportunity uh, to ask you if you want to plug anything. But that's not, yet. not a five year old YouTube yeah. video. But not yet, because we've got a we've got a song for Andy yeah. to play that'll cue you up to very um, important. point people toward your stuff. Yeah. Let's do the plugs. Fam. All right, you heard the, you heard it. Wow! Hit us with those links. 
Uh, we, we, uh, okay, so am I shouting out other things? Is that what I should do? This is your time. So it's, it's basically, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a bit of a tone mob vibe of like you know, this is your time to shout out whatever you could shout out other things. You could pr- promote your stuff. You know, it's like I don't know. You're you're your on here Etsy to uh, to help what? us bring bring attention to a variety of things. So whatever you want to bring attention to, uh, sure. Well, do you know, what I, I really like. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I I really. Uh, I love the 40 Watt podcast that Philip Carter hosts. Um, and I think if people, you know, because uh, uh, Philip Carter does it maybe slightly less regularly than some of the other guitar podcasts. And so I, I feel like that podcast is still blowing up. It's still in its, its stages of, of getting bigger and bigger. And I think it's great. I think Philip Carter is a, a fantastic host. We, we have him on for the Guitar Nerds Gear of the Year podcasts for the last couple of years, and he's always been brilliant at that. So I think, dear listener, um, if you're thinking about expanding <laughs> your guitar podcast listenership, then uh, the 40 Watt podcast is an excellent place yeah, you came on here um, and was like- to start. Go listen to someone else's podcast. You you have a podcast. <laughs> That's so funny. I've never heard a podcast where be like, I don't, I'm not going to talk about mine. I mean, there's this other one, though. <laughs> That's really good. I'm laughing because I feel like there was a moment in Gear of the Year, there was discussion of you using the phrase dear listener and maybe Philip mm-hmm. talking about how he was going to avoid saying it because he didn't want to steal your catchphrase or something. Like, yeah, it's, so, but, it's, so hearing I've, you say I've dear listener in that to, moment was uh, <laughs> oh, <thank you>. deep <laughs> I've cut. referred to everyone listening as dear listener for the 11, 11 years now. It's the 11th year of the Guitar Nerds podcast. See, we, so. we call our listeners but, hogs, so it's a little different. Ah, <laughs> so it's right. a slightly different. <laughs> they call in and just sort of snort at us. They go, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, there you go. Oh, but there it is. Uh, but yes, I mean, we'll, we'll encourage people to go listen to Guitar Nerds as well. Um, yeah. And I'm going to play Polymath. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned oh. that I really enjoy Polymath, but people should oh, be listening to Joe's band Polymath. So. Yeah, Joe. Thanks very much. Joe we, we, was we, listening to the Manchester Orchestra Simple Math album and thought, we could do it a little better than this. Let's do Polymath. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, we actually we're just uh, we're just um, uh, writing and sort of uh, starting to track uh, our next record, which is great. Cause we, we're back to a four piece. We had our our sax player left at the end of last year, which um, whilst it was lovely being a sort of jazz prog band for a bit, um, I really enjoyed going back to just making King Crimson rip off music again. So, um, <laughs> but it, I'm really enjoying tracking that and actually. Um, working out after we were halfway through tracking a song where there's like a whole bass breakdown, realizing that I am literally playing the bass line from Sailor's Tale uh, <laughs> by King Crimson. <laughs> I was like, this happens. sounds familiar. I love this. This is great. And it was only after we tracked it. And and I think the record was being played later that night where we were at our guitarist. And I was like, oh, it's even in the same key. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's me messing with my whammy pedal going, oh, shoot, this was on Chocolate Starfish. Damn it. I can't. I can't <laughs> Did you guys, this is slide aside. Did you see that I put a, I shoved a little uh, spring inside my whammy pedal. So it's like, it's more like a Floyd Rose now. It's really fun. Oh, wow. I did see that. It makes yeah. it so, so it just, much it just like snaps fun. back yeah. for you. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much more fun. Does, does the game changer Bixby yeah. have I want that, that so yeah. bad. Was that the inspiration? Uh, yeah. And also just, and also literally just, I do want to do Floyd Rose style style things i don't want to have to push it back up or whatever i never leave it down you know 
How have you secured it in? Uh, is it have you put like a little plastic uh, sort of thing yeah, around the, well, it as I well got a bu- to hold it in place? I got a whole thing of like different size rubber feet, and I got and oh. I just found two that were like slightly. It, it was like a cone shape, and they're slightly bigger than the bottom of the spring. So I put them on both sides, and then just kind of shove the spring in there. And then I it, it came out once, like it the the sticky wore off. So then the second time I put it in, I just uh, put some Velcro around the sides of it. Just so that the thing wouldn't shift or move at all, but now now it's totally fine, and it's so much fun. That is genius. Yeah. That's genius. It's like five dollars from Lowe's, you know. It's like, man, is that a known mod? Like, well, have you seen I that did, around I, before, I, or was that just when I thought about? I was like, surely someone has done this. So I went on YouTube, and there are definitely guys who were like, hey man, they got the long hair, like man, I've been trying to do some riffs, and he's like, I just got my drill, and I'm like, <laughs> and like, there was one, there, so there's one guy who like. Glue, glued a spring in on the front kind of like where I have mine but then there was another guy who drilled a hole in his in his pedal board and in the back of the 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 rocker so that it like hooks onto the back of it so it when you push it down it, it opens it up on the back end instead of the front whatever so yeah there's people mm-hmm. on YouTube that have really janky ways of doing it that are like way <laughs> they're like drilling holes and all their stuff like I'm not trying to do that but uh, yeah, so pe- people are doing that. People are doing that. Wow. No, but the Game Changer Bigsby, I want that pedal really bad. I want it really bad. And not to do a Bigsby thing, I want to do the dumbass Floyd Rose stuff with it. Like, yeah, yeah, I want to do some weird yeah. stuff with it. That's that's it. It's uh, it's it's almost seems odd for a uh, Game Changer pedal in that it's designed to be used quite conventionally. Yeah, and like, I think I'm not, that's that's I'm not, not, here for not that. really the mo of that brand. Yeah, no. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's my little aside. Nice, mm. yeah, very cool. Well, yeah, Joe, thanks for for coming on. Uh, it's been it's been great chatting compressors with yep. you, and uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to join you over on Guitar Nerds at some point. And, yes, uh, you absolutely will. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. It's been uh, it's been wonderful to talk about compressors yes. for like an hour. I would never get away Where with else this. Can you do this for, on, uh, <laughs> on Guitar Nerds? <laughs> And uh, thanks, thanks everybody for for listening, for joining us for another episode. Um, again, yeah, come see us at Effector Market if you're listening and can can make it to Anaheim January 27th, and um, uh, buy some old blood pedals. Yep. Help uh, support the show by Get supporting the, the company light. that uh, makes the show happen. The dark light is selling selling fast, folks. Selling like hotcakes. Hotcakes. All right, bye everybody. Object Worship is a production of Old Blood Noise Endeavors. All opinions expressed by the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the company. It's edited and mixed by Andy Offling. To get in touch, join us in the Old Blood Discord or send a message to our various online entities. Online entities, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the that's, show. That's it. The show's <laughs> over. Go home, folks. <laughs> Time to wake up. I don't know. Get to your job. Whatever. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>